Good morning, Burlington Baptist Church. Good morning. How many of you grew up singing that song and you knew that song? I can hear you all the way back here in the back. That's awesome. It's good to see all of you. If you're a guest, we're honored to have you with us today. And uh, my name's Kent, and I, I guess some of you remember Mr. Brooks being up here. I'm going to attempt to walk this today. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. Well, today we start a new series, and, um, and uh, so we're going to do a, a series on a new concept, a new idea. When I was a kid, growing up in the 60s and the 70s, you know, we did this really strange thing. You want to know what it was? We went outside and played. I've had my grandkids now going on five weeks, and Molly wants to stay two more. So I think we're gonna we're, we're in. You know what I mean? But one of the things I've noticed about younger people, because I you know we've been empty nesters, is that they have these things called iPads and Kindles and tablets, and they spend a lot of time on there, right? And then maybe there's a game. I don't know, Molly. You have to show me later. Maybe there's a game where they have called tug of war. But when I was a little boy and younger guy, even in high school, we played this game called tug of war. Any of you ever played tug of war? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. So it was really cool. So like you would have two teams on each side, for those of you who don't know what's going on here. And there'd be a group over there, and there'd be a group over here. You know, it'd be like five and five. And so you'd play this game. And, and the guys I hung out with, we always had a mud hole in the middle. It was really interesting. And so this was the center part, and we would say, go. And they'd start pulling, you know. And then you'd pull, and then they'd pull a while, and then you pull. And it was this constant pushing going on, right? And typically, I wound up on the side where the musicians were, and the jocks were all over on that side, and I wound up in the mud hole. That's one way you can play tug-of-war, right? The other way is they have markings right here, and so on and so forth, and you come over and play that. But anyway, the point is, we're going to start a new series today called Tug-of-War. And I believe, I truly believe that we all spiritually experience tug-of-war. Would you agree with that? And there's this battle that goes on. There's this tension that happens, and it's between faith and doubt. And so today I want us to look at, at this concept, and I want us to see how that we can better deal with that, because it's not a matter of if, it's when it happens, what do we do? How do we deal with it? And I want us to look at a passage of Scripture where, I mean, it's amazing, we see, we see it kind of going on, and it speaks to us. But here's a, here's, a, here's a statement. Following Jesus, when we're talking about tug of war, doesn't always mean either or, often it is both and See, it's not always either or, but it's sometimes it's both. Because we're dealing through, the, we're trudging through this thing. You ever come in here on Sunday morning, like Danny was talking about, and you just feel like you've been beat to the, like, beat to a pulp? And you think, I can't take one more thing. What else could possibly, don't ever say that, right? What else could possibly happen, right? And you walk in here, and you're like, man. And they start singing and praising God, and, and you feel the presence of the Holy Spirit just moving. And the next thing you know, man, the faith starts coming on. And you're like, yeah, I needed this, man. This is great. And, and Sunday morning, I'm great, and I'm, and I'm over here on the faith side, and everything's good, and I can, I can go take on hell with a squirt gun. I'm so excited. You know what I mean? And you walk out the door, and you, sometimes, in some cases, you don't even get in the car. And you're like, oh, doubt. Something happens. Doubt is in there. I want to tell you, that's not an uncommon thing in our spiritual walk. And it even happened to the young to the young church, the early church, the early believers. You know, this side is faith, this side is, 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 is doubt, and it happens to all of us. But here's the thing. We're going to look at a story today, and it's in the Gospel of Mark. And before we do that, I got so carried away with that song and, and everything, I forgot to pray. I don't want to get distracted. So pray with me for the very first. Father, thank you for this time. Pray that you would speak through me. Pray, God, that uh, I get out of the way. Pray, Lord, that your word goes out instead of in my own 
Sunday night as we assemble here together is to cut discovery from covenant breaking. That the words that are spoken, the Holy Spirit will speak and encourage us. And may we be just perfect in that. So God, have your way in this. Have your way in us. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen. So we have this one side faith, one side doubt, tug of war. Where in the Bible can we find that? Well, there's multiple stories, but there's one in Mark's gospel that I want to read. And, uh, and we're going to read a little bit here and follow along with you if you have your Bibles. And it'll be up on the screen. Here we go. Mark chapter 9. Here's what it says. Six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up on a high mountain to be alone. Can you imagine? I mean, you and a few other people, Jesus and you. Look at that guy right in there, right in there. Holy cow, right? Watch this. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed and his clothes became dazzling white, far whiter than any earthly bleach could ever make them. Then Elijah and Moses appeared and began talking with Jesus. Here's the thing. Not only do we have the Son of God, we got the prophets and the law represented here with Moses and Elijah. We got it all right here, man. Woo, on the mountain. Holy moly, can you imagine what that would have been like? Watch this. And I love Peter when he's the one that brings that up. He, he explained, Peter explained, Rabbi, <laughs> I should see this. It's wonderful for us to be here. That's the American term. Hey, let's make three shelters as memorials. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. <laughs> Isn't that, it's just like, and that's like a hymn, getting that heaven. This is, hey, this is so good. Let's just build a place here. You want to? This is so cool. I want to, let's just do that. Now watch this. Here's why he said this, though. He said this because he didn't really know what else to say, for they were all terrified. Like me, if you just shut up and wait a minute, you might figure something out here. You know, but i got to say something, right? Then a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly beloved Son. Listen to this. What's that? Jesus said, This Suddenly, when they looked around, Moses and Elijah were gone, and they saw only Jesus. And as they went back down the mountain, here it comes, folks. We have to go down from the mountain. Sometimes we've got to do that. He told them not to tell anyone they, what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept it to themselves. But often they asked each other, what do you mean? Now, what a story. Peter was so taken by this situation, he wants to build a building up there, hang out. And then we see, he says, let's make these shelters. And then we see that he goes on. And that's the story he's right on the money, acting just like a human being. And I love this guy because he's just, you can see the humanity in him, man. One minute he's ready to, you know, praise God, and the next minute he's pulling his sword wanting to cut somebody's ear off. You know, it's like he's driving a 575 truck right now. You know what I mean? He's human. We see the human in him. And we say to ourselves, man, if I could have just walked with Jesus, if I could have just been there, things would be different. I think if I could have just, you know, seen that. Peter said this building this thing because he didn't really understand what was going on, but he knew it was a mountaintop experience. And you know what? How many of you have ever had a mountaintop experience? You don't have to raise your hand, but, but I know we all have. I'm going to get all corny on you here, okay? What I'm familiar with when I met this little blonde-headed girl, I had said no. And she said yes. That was one of those mountaintop experiences that I remember, and I'm grateful for that. Another one was when I gave my heart to Jesus, and I was baptized, and I remember coming out of the water, and and I was thinking, man, you know, mountaintop experiences. 
I couldn't think of a sports thing. I had to go to Jeff and ask him. He said, here's one you can tell him. It's when UK football beats UT. That's a mountaintop experience. I hope that, hope, I, don't, I don't mean to offend anybody. I don't know what that means, but you know what it means. You laugh, so you get it. We have those, those moments, and, and we say it's good to be here, but, but you know, it's not always, it doesn't last forever. But faith is something that is real. I want to tell you, faith is real. Because even if you don't believe in Jesus, you believe in something, and you got your faith lying in something. You do. I talked to an atheist one day, and he was railing on me, man. And I said, you know what? You got more faith than I do in your belief. He said, really? Hey, think about it. We all have faith in something. You know, science, in my mind, tells us to have faith. It really does. Um, there's, a, there's a law called anthropic or principle, or anthropic principle. And here's what it says when it's regarding faith. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of reasons to have faith, and this is one of them. Anthropic principle is this. The definition is that conditions are observed in a universe. The conditions that are observed in the universe must allow an observer. Now, let that soak in just a second. Or the second part of it is the universe must have properties that make inevitable the existence of intelligent life. Breaking faith. Now, here's another way to look at it. You see this guitar right here? This is a Fender Telecaster, one of the top guitars in the world made in the 50s. That guitar, because it's there, points to something. Somebody made that guitar, and it came from somewhere. It's cause and effect. You walk out the door and you see a tree. That tree came from somewhere. Cause and effect. There's plenty of reasons to believe, folks, if you'll just open your eyes and look. Somebody say amen. And you know, the fact is, the principles of this, Hugh uh, Ross, watch what he says. In all my conversations with those who do research on the characteristics of the universe, not one person denies the conclusion that somehow the cosmos has been crafted to make it fit habitual for life. For if an opportunity for disagreement exists, astronomers will seize it. But on the issue of that fine-tuning or crafting of the cosmos, evidence is so compelling that I have yet to hear it denied. So, there's evidence by faith that we can believe, that we can see things to extend our faith. The other aspect of this is that history tells us. You know, I love it. I went to college and I hear these guys teaching and I'm thinking, you know, I'd never heard this stuff before. And I've seen so many people get their faith knocked out from under them from sitting in a classroom. Now, I'm not knocking education, but I'm saying it's like a train. you got to know when to get off. The other aspect of this is history is huge. When we look at history, Jewish historian Josephus and the Roman historian Tacitus, both were writing in the first century, and neither one of them showed any sign of believing in Jesus themselves. They wrote the historical account. You know what they wrote about? The birth, the resurrection, and the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Secular writers we would call them. Second aspect of this is that science is the first thing history tells us that we can believe. They, these guys that wrote, they actually support the methods and the integrity of what's in the New Testament. Archaeology is another one. You go over, I was with a guy the other day last week, I was down in Bowling Green, a guy was showing me pictures, he went to the Holy Land, he opened this up and he was showing me different places, the historical accounts, he said, this is, look at this, and there's, you know, and this is where it happened, and, and this, it wasn't some make-believe place, it was. And so when we're on this mountaintop, and we get into the doubting mode of our faith, let us be reminded that there's plenty of things that we can look at. Look at a mountain, 
look at a mountain, look at a sunset the other night when those clouds were rolling around. Oh my gosh. Gotta get to see the hand of God everywhere. Come on. All right, so we got this four. These guys are up on the mountain. The comparison pattern is the transfiguration. As they come down from the mountain, having the mountaintop experience. Now watch this. It's interesting because in chapter 9 of Mark, they come down from the mountain, and as soon as they get to the bottom of the mountain, there is a man who comes to them who has a son that has an issue in his life, and he has a need. Watch this. Mark chapter 9, verse 17 and 18. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son to you so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I ask your disciples to cast the evil spirit out, but they couldn't do it. The father sought Jesus and the disciples for guidance. Now watch this. You've got to get some what Jesus says in verse 19 to the disciples. Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring me the boy. This statement, when I was a little kid, I remember reading this, I remember it clear as a bell. I remember they read this and I thought, wow, that's a little hard, isn't it? The translation of this scripture literally means Jesus is saying, I don't have that much time left with you guys to get this. Listen, watch this. Watch this. Look what happens next in 921. How long has it been happening, he said. Jesus asked the boy about this. And the father replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire, into the water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. Help us if you can. Take that little word out. Jesus said, if you can, speak this out. Listen, everything is possible. Everything is possible for God who believes. The father says, if, apparently he's not sure, all, nothing else has worked so far enough. Everything, all this, all the things he's tried haven't happened. And he comes to Jesus, and the boys are coming down off the mountain. They've had a good time, and they said, if you can. Oh, I have an anointing for this. Jesus said, I am. All things are possible. Now, it's interesting. It's interesting because when he says the word, he says, pity on him. The word is plotnon, and here in this context, it means have compassion. And Jesus has compassion. The word translated literally means like your center, your center court here in Jackson. It's like your core has seen something and touched. And Jesus presses the if, and he says, if. And the father says instantly in verse 24, cried out, I do believe. I do believe, the father said. I do believe. Watch. it to Jesus. There's tension in his life. He's tried everything, and he brings it to Jesus. Here's how it happens. He says, may not be the way we want it, may not come out exactly how we want it, but Jesus can. And he tells the man. He cried out, I believe, but help me. He's wide open. He's transparent as he comes to the Lord. He's saying, I kind of believe, but I don't, but help me. You ever have that in your life? You ever have a situation in life where you're like, I really want to believe him, I really want to trust him, but, you know. You know what it's like? I'll give you a quick insight. Here's something that you'll find. When it comes to the tension between faith and doubt, the most important word is and. Watch this. It's and. 
And we view doubt as a bad thing when, in fact, it can help us to become an assertive person. Frederick Bickner wrote it this way. He says, doubts are the ant in the pants of faith. Now, I've never had ants in my pants, but I don't think I'd like that. You know what I mean? It's kind of, they keep it awake and moving, so to speak. Doubts can challenge us. Doubts can challenge us. They do. They cause us to look deeper. They cause us to look through new eyes of faith, saying, you know what, God, I don't understand this. I don't know why this is happening. Maybe I made a bad mistake. Maybe I made a choice. I don't know why, but I'm going to trust you, Lord. Yesterday, I had a conversation with one of the members of this church called me and said, I just read the book of Job, and I got to talk to you. This is an amazing story, how, you know, God moved 38 chapters, Job, feeding his case. And you know what happens when a church that size opens it up? It's rarely used. Pastor Tim Keller says this, the reason for God, the faith, a faith without some doubt is like a human body without any antibodies. People who blithely go through life too busy or indifferent to ask hard questions about why they believe as they do will send themselves defenseless against the experience of attraction to certain questions. That's smart stuff. A person's faith can collapse almost overnight if he or she has failed over the years to listen patiently to his or her vain doubts that can only be discarded after one has left. But you think that even Jesus faced circumstances, didn't you? He faced them. Then it caused him to struggle. Oh, really? Oh, really? Think about the night before he was crucified. The Bible says he went into the garden to pray. We'll get to that in just a second. Verse 6. But he goes into the garden, and he's praying, and he's praying so hard that sweat pours out of him. And the Bible says this sweat came out of him like great drops of blood. You think there's a little... Wrestling there? A little tension happening there? And look what he says. Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup away from me. Jesus trusted God the Father, and he continued to pray on, and here's what he prayed. Go, I want you in this cup. Jesus took an example for us. His faithfulness, even the midst of Christ's followers aren't people who never doubt. They doubt, but they choose to trust him. See, the sad part about this is so many times we get involved in these hard situations and we just say, you know what, I'm giving up, throw my hands up. And we don't trust God when we're in the middle of something. And I'm not saying that we don't, you know, it doesn't bother him that we don't understand and we question and we ask, but it, I think it does and we don't trust him through it, we don't work through it. You get what I'm saying? I've had people come to me and go, you know, had this going on and this happened and I just walked away from it. Why? Because I didn't trust the Lord. I didn't give it to him. Now, listen, it's important that we choose to trust God. God wants you and I to trust him even when the trials of life come over us. Even when they come. The Apostle Paul gives us a great example. Here's a guy that's whipping the church, persecuting the church, gets knocked off his horse, accepts Jesus, turns it. His whole life was like this. And now he goes to the church. Can you imagine sitting in the church with a guy who walks in that had been persecuting and killing other Christians? He walks in, the, and they're like, this is kind of great, isn't it? Could have been a mass exodus right there, right? But Paul walked by faith, followed Jesus, and you know what he said? He said, what can separate us from the love of God? Nothing. 
believe that today? Do you really believe that? Say amen if you believe that. And we've all been through this, but things that happen in our life. Paul understood this. When it comes to the tension between faith and doubt, we sit where we are. We don't stay there. We don't camp on the ground. Brother Kenny Clore was our activities director, and many of you knew him. And, and when I came over here, I didn't know whether he liked me or not. And uh, when I went full-time, I worked part-time for a while. That was kind of cool. I only saw him a couple hours, and then kind of walked in, and I went home. It was all good. But he came up to me one day, and I was kind of, again, tore up about something that was happening, and I was trying to figure out what to do. And he came over to me, and he said, hey, hot rod. Jeff leans over and goes, you need to watch the message you're about to hear. He said, here's what you need to do. This situation that you're dealing with that you're worried about, you give it to the Lord, and you put them hands on it, and you pray. And I went, what? And he said, yeah. It's easier said than done. I understand that. But you know what? It's getting easier for me. It really is, brother. It's getting easier for me. Because you know what? There's some things I can't control. In fact, most things I can't control. And I'm getting old, I'm getting the flat spots. I'm going, oh, wow, I can't control that. So give that one to the Lord and put your hands in your pocket and say, Lord, have your way. Give me the serenity to change the things that I can. I'm not saying just sit down and ask, let him take care of it. Now, sometimes we have to do the things, you know. But, but let him show us and let him show us and let him speak. And it's amazing how he will speak. God has a plan, and I want to tell you something, you're part of it. And he wants you in it. And he's for you. He's not against you. He's for you. Tension happens in our life. We give it to the Lord. Paul got this. You see, when we doubt, it doesn't surprise God. I remember before I really got into studying, and, and again, I loved college. I did, and I loved studying, and, and I, got, I really did. But I, but I remember before, I, you know, I had never had anything challenged in my life before, in my beliefs. I mean, as far as, you know, like it was when I had my application. Oh. Can you just say that? You know what I'm saying? And so I began to realize that, that it wasn't surprising to God that I was being trimmed and groomed for what was coming in my life. And I had a professor call me and say, I want to tell you something, boys. I didn't come in here to confirm what you had in Sunday school. I come here to help you because when you go out in the world and you start dealing with people, they'll eat you up and spit you out if you don't know about these kind of things and these kind of things. Now, I thank God for that. But, but there were times when I would doubt. I'm like, really? God, help me with that. It doesn't surprise him. But he wants us to trust him. And in these experiences, we can actually grow deeper and have greater faith as we come through the experiences. The Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. I shared this with the uh, Praise and Negligence group. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall soar. Man, I tell you, there is nothing that can be more beautiful than to see an eagle. With those wings spread out, man, and that white head and those white tips and that, those orange or whatever color it is, I mean, uh, but anyway, you know, they fly, and they're beautiful, and they're spreading, and, and it's just so graceful. We were on our Harley trip out west, and we were riding along, and Diane's nudging me in the elbow in the, in the ribs, going, look, there's an eagle up there, and I'm trying to tell Troy, and we, we're watching the road, and I look up, and I see just a corner of it, and this thing is just about three minutes out front. Unbelievable. Peaceful, soaring like an eagle. You know what's going on up there? There is so much friction hitting those wings. things that are going to happen to us, but God lifts us up. He 
you mess this up. And sometimes I'm not even looking. See, and so we should trust Jesus with that job. Trust my grammar for your money. I think that's how it works. How do we deal with this? Trust Jesus with your money. In those times of uncertainty of faith and life experiences, I want to encourage you. The example that we have is keep praying. Jesus prays. How often, how much time do you spend alone in prayer with God? I don't want you to yell it out. I'm just asking. And when something happens, do you say, oh, hold on. Okay, Lord, I need you to help me. Or are you like me? Hey, let's get this guy in. Hurry, let's get over here. we got to fix this. Which is, which is better? I'm pushing in the things that come. And we can do this. We can train ourselves to pray first. Even a simple prayer like, Jesus, if you're, if you're here, make yourself known to me. Now, the second aspect of this I think that we can do to help us is, is, to, is to be real about it and express our God. Because I think it's important. But here's the thing. Find a safe person that's an older Christian that's walked with Jesus that can encourage you. I got a fellow that you've, only, you've, you've seen him once. He's been here once in 10 years. My best friend I have in the whole world. We went to school together. We went through marriages. We went Married life, how's that, sweetheart? Went through raising kids, went through all these things together. You know, we, we have this thing, and I can call him anytime, and I'm not going to sit back and say, hey, buddy, how are you? Hey, I, I'm here now. You know, he was a pastor. He had experiences and things. You know, you guys know. I mean, I, I don't know everything. I'm just God's kid. And, and, and so I call him and say, hey, give me a word, man. And he's like, okay, what's up? I got this. He'll pray over me. Now I'm driving down the road here and carrying on. He'll pray over me, but I can go to him. Do you have somebody like that? Somebody that you can trust. He would never share anything like that with anybody else. I know God. He does the same thing with me. We've been walking together years. He's the same thing with my family. The next thing is when we talk about that, share that with somebody. But listen, this person basically has to win the battle for you. I think we need to be able to share that over and over again. Get in small groups. Get with a similar group. Watch them. You know, it's important to stay connected with other believers. Jesus tells us, the Bible says, to not forsake assembling ourselves together. It's actually encouraging when you realize, listen, it's actually encouraging when you realize that the church isn't a place where everyone has it all figured out, but a community of people who are learning together how to follow Jesus. I'm going to say it again, and I want you to give me a big amen at the end of that. It's actually encouraging when we realize that the church isn't a place where everyone has it all figured out, but it's a community of people who are learning together how to follow Jesus. Isn't that good? Isn't that good to know that, Harold, if I need something, I can come to talk to you and you can help me figure it out, brother? I've had you come to me and say, I don't know, but let's figure it out. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Isn't it great when you have a life experience that knocks you off of this faith side and puts you over here on the doubt side, that all of a sudden you reach out and you find out, hey, you know what, I'm not the only one in the world that's had this. Oh my gosh, what? And you can talk to somebody and they can say, look, I'm a living testimony. You can go from there to here. It can be done through here. Prayer, 
thinking about this all week, and you know, for years in my life, and, I, and again, I, I, don't think it's inco- I don't think it's wrong for us to run into this, but I think it's wrong when we stay over here too long, because it can get dangerous when we get over here too long. It can be dangerous to our spiritual lives. <laughs> and I used to feel bad when I would get into this stuff, and, and, and discover it, and, and this week I really was praying, and, and it was really interesting to, to pray about this, and mine's no worse than yours, we all have it. We all have something that we have in us that's wrong. And it's, uh, it's wonderful to know that, that we have somebody that's with us. But, but I was reading a story this week when I started referencing looking at this stuff. And, and I read this story. There was a young lady, and her name was Agnes. And Agnes grew up, uh, you know, as a, in, in, overseas, and she was a wonderful, wonderful little girl. She loved life, and she loved, from, the, from kind of a very early age, she loved ministry. And at 12 years old, she felt like that God was going to use her in a special way. At 12 years old, she kind of had this insight into this. And her name was Agnes. And so everybody figured out in the community that she was going to do this. And she spent time. She had a desire to do great things for God. And she knew that God had placed his calling on her life. And she left home and she spent time as a missionary. Right? She committed her life to missions. She traveled all over the place. She went to places and encountered people that you and I, 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 she went to leper, she set up a leper colony to try to help people. She went to people who needed clean water. She went into the poorest of the poor. That was her ministry. And she reached out to these people, what, 50 years ago. Think what it says. She chose to trust Jesus and walk by faith as a missionary. She encountered a period, though. She encountered a period in her life of doubt. And she struggled. She chose to trust Jesus and walk by faith. Even though she struggled and she felt it, she chose for 50 years to chose to follow Jesus and walk by faith, even though she struggled. Amazing. But here's the deal. This lady that I'm telling you about, her name was Agnes. And you think about great people in the world that have done great things. I've even heard it quoted in movies. Listen, I know Mother Teresa. Well, what I just told you was about Mother Teresa. Here I thought when I looked at her in that, you know, habit and things that she had. says to me, <laughs> I'm going over here, you know what I mean? Possibly to you. What a wonderful, wonderful testimony. So today, I want you and I, if we're struggling with this, I want us to be like the, the father. Help me, Lord. I want to trust you in those things. You see, Matthew 28 says that Jesus says, come unto me, all of you that labor and are heavy. All of you that are laboring and heavy laden, come unto me. You know what that means? It means all of us. Just all of us. He says, away from the better and I'll give you rest. Come unto me and I will give you rest. You find it in Jesus. You find it 
Thank you. 